the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to you. It's noon here, high noon, in the great state of Texas, Dripping Springs, Texas, where our palatial studios are, and 14 December 2021. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Uh, Jancy Lindsay. Wow, man, she was had some really interesting ideas on this injection thing, and we'll be uh, running this one for the next couple of days, and also we'll have it up on our BitChute channel, and, and the audio is is going to be available too. I uh, just want to mention that before we introduce you to our next guest, tomorrow we'll be talking with Brandon Smith, and he's an interesting fellow. He's got some uh, uh, good ideas and um, considerations and, and uh, theories on this whole idea of collectivism, socialism, and why all these young whippersnappers are so easily kind of uh, endowed with this these ideas. Uh, he's uh, uh, altmarkets.com. We have Brandon on from time to time. And then also tomorrow, one of our favorite guys, um, uh, Richard Proctor. He has a book called Understanding the Constitution. And I'm going to ask him to try to understand how it's possible that Amy Conan, what's her name, Barrett, and uh, Kavanaugh yesterday uh, said that uh, these vaccine mandates in the city of New York for these healthcare workers was was okay. I don't get that. So I, I want to talk to a constitutional guy to see why they don't think the Fourth Amendment is valid, but what do I know? So there we are. If you'd like to join the show, 888-663-6386. If you have questions about fun stuff, freedom stuff, taking care of your stuff, independent living, uh, solar, aquaponics, gardening, we have an interesting fellow for you. His name is Bob Anderson. I don't know. He only found Bob. I think I found him through Ernie uh, Ernie, uh, the uh, yeah, the talk show guy who we had on, who was a real trip. Bob Anderson was born in Massachusetts, and he has spent a whole lot of time uh, with nuclear power, believe it or not. And then now he's a freedom kind of guy, and he knows a lot about solar. He's a private pilot. So we're going to say hi to him and see what we can learn and have some fun. Miss. Sir Anderson, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Very pleasant. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon to you. Thank you. Yeah. Good afternoon to you. Yeah. How how are things? Are you're now you live in Arizona, but you're up in the, uh, in the north northeast, just taking care of some biz. Yes, it's um, it's kind of a, a little climate culture change. Uh, you know, it's um, you know, I, I tell people when they go, "Why are you up here?" I go, "Well, I just get tired of all the warm, sunny weather in Arizona. <laughs> I figured I'd come up for some of the the dark, gray, dismal, cold weather up here in New England." Yeah. For uh, but um, I have a family home up here, so I'm uh, doing some renovation and uh, just caretaking the place over the winter because you know you stay away from a place for any length of time. You know, a window breaks, next thing you know, you show up in the spring, you have raccoons living in your house. Yeah. So you know, yeah. some, somebody's got to be here, and they don't pay rent. You know, what can I tell you? Um, yeah, I don't pay rent. So. <laughs> So uh, your permanent place then in Arizona, where do you live? Tell us about your setup there, what you do. I have a, a few acres out in the, basically out in the middle of nowhere, um, a little place called Tonopah. Um, it's, it's a small, unincorporated area, about 40, 50 miles west of Fe- the Phoenix metro area. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you get, you get uh, rain out there so you can garden and collect rainwater or any of that? Um, we get rain out there. Uh, you know, I tell people we get a lot of water out there. Really? Um, 
it just comes all at once. Huh. <laughs> so, so you go many, many months with very little, very little precipitation. And then you'll get periods where you'll have, I mean, literally the road in front of my house will run like a river sometimes. I mean, um, when we have a really hard rainstorm, I, I, I'm kind of in a, a, a little island area where the roads are, the washes are flooded in all directions. Mm. So really, you couldn't get out if you if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, you do. You, so you just got to wait a few hours. Bob, do you collect uh, rainwater? I do. You do. I have a couple of small areas of um, that I collect off the roof, and I um, I terrace the land a little bit, and I uh, use um, that kind of method for um, uh, uh, keeping the, the surface water on the property so it percolates into the into the soil and um, swells or swales, I believe they're called. Yeah. So, I've seen that. There's a fellow out west of us who did that all over his land. He he pulled out all the cedar. We have a lot of cedar around here in West Texas, where I am, west of Boston. He pulled out all the cedar, and then he did these swales where you go down 10 feet and then do the whole thing in the water. Tell tell the folks how that works. It's pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, Mount Myron aren't quite that as... Um aren't quite that uh, large um sure. uh, you know it's it, they're, they're very subtle in the in the in the, the the surface of the land but the idea is that water uh, particularly out in the west a lot of the land has a lot of clay in it and the water tends to want to run off and and because it comes in so uh comes so fast yes, you get sir. so much water in such a little bit of time it, so it doesn't have time to really percolate into the ground it runs off and and, and goes downstream so if you basically can terrace the land a little bit with some uh, features that will retain the water on the surface so it doesn't run off, it'll give it time to percolate into the ground. And the ground is actually pretty fertile. I mean, there's a lot of farmland in Arizona that um, basically it's got enough sunshine. If you can have enough moisture in the soil, you can grow pretty much anything in Arizona. I mean, there's quite a bit of agriculture oh, huh. in the desert. Yeah, you don't think of Arizona as a very fertile place because it's because um, they have some real, you know, we all have issues, but uh, <laughs> uh, Arizona has some real water issues, don't they? Some challenges. Big, big picture. Oh, yeah. It went, you know, I mean, they've uh, done uh, quite a well. There's a lot of irrigation that comes off the rivers. Uh, that uh, we, there, I mean, there are some rivers that uh, were year-round rivers, but I mean, uh, the riparian area. I mean, we get pretty, you know, kind of trickly during certain times of the year. But uh, yes, you no, know, there's a the Salt River project out there. Started way back, I guess, in one of the Roosevelt's can't remember which one but um they had uh you know big projects for building some dams on the river that allowed them to irrigate and um some of the canals they use today to bring that irrigation water uh were left over and refurbished from the uh the hokum which were uh you know pre i don't want to say prehistoric but i mean they were a very early uh, american tribes that they had a lot of agriculture there and uh, they basically hand dug massive canal systems wow. for uh for for uh, agriculture out of the salt river and uh, a lot of the canals that the city's using today are basically remnants of the hohokam canals from you know yeah prehistoric times what makes a lot of news is lake mead and how low it is and and what they're going to do do they have some big uh just really hardcore issues out there in general in arizona with the water uh with water yes sir yeah, um, uh, you know, it's getting there. Uh, you know, I mean, they've talked about um, the, the Colorado River and the amount of water yeah. that the river has. And, of course, you know, they, they took 100% flow of the river and divided it up into about 130% to give it out to everybody. You know, it's kind of typical government. And, um, and of course, the river the, the river and Mother Nature has uh, made up her own mind. And they've had a couple of lean years over the um, 
you know, the last decade or yes, so. Sir. And so, um, and of course, they're all blaming it on climate change. But, um, you know, <laughs> coming from New England, I'll tell you what, the climate changes all the time, about four times I a think year. It, I think it does, yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, we think we know what's going on because, you know, our time span of a, you know, right. 100-year lifespan, and we think we got we got it dialed in when Mother Nature is like, you know, every 10, 20,000 years, she decides she's going to do something different for a little while. And it's got nothing to do with us. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. this big thermal nuclear reactor in the sky called the sun is probably way more influence on it than what we have. Yeah. But needless to say, they've had some water issues. The snowpack has been, um, in the upper Colorado, has been less than they've uh, had in historic past. And um, so the, 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 the reservoirs on the, on the Colorado are a little low. So some of the cities are having an effect at it. But the water... A lot of the rural Arizona, we have huge underground aquifers. Yeah, um, and and uh, they've um, there's been places where they've overpumped them and had some subsidence, but uh, there's a lot of places where that that's not an issue. And they say, I have my water coming out of a well down an aquifer, and I'm not, I don't want for water. I mean, I I, I have plenty for what I need to do, and so I you know I, I think I'll I'll be fine. Yeah. How's the quality of the water that you're coming out of the ground? Is it, is it okay to drink, um, or do you have to it, mess with some, it? it? Yeah, no, in, in some places, it's it's uh, brackish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have really excellent water. It's kind of naturally um, uh, soft. I, I, really? I have some of the best. I have some of the best water I've ever had in my life. And you know, I grew up in New England, artesian wells and things mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, it, the water I have in, uh, down in Tonopah is some of the best water I've ever had. What's the TDS on the water coming out, do you know? Um, I don't. Okay. I just I taste it. Tastes really yummy. Tastes really it, it's yummy. some of the best water I've ever had. I don't get a lot of scale buildup on my faucets and things like that. So it's got to um, be soft. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, just down the the street, less than a mile from us, I guess there's um there's a hot spring. I don't guess there's a there's a hot springs down there, and apparently, you know, millennial millennia ago, there's there's a a big underground lava plume that never made it to the surface or whatever, and um, you can pump hundred and some odd degree water out of the ground and uh and and that uh, there's a lot of dissolved minerals and things like that um the water has some lithium in it so if they they the hot spring solution it's naturally calming you know yeah. it, uh, and <laughs> so so you live in tone everybody's got a pretty mellow attitude because uh, the water's yeah. got lithium in it I guess. so it must but, be uh, uh very healthful then hang out in that those hot springs right hang out in the oh, land yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, they're nice to go down after hard days work go down there and soak in the hot water yeah bob anderson is with us sir and uh, if you care to join us 888-663-6386 email patrick at one radio network.com so um you totally off the grid where you are there in arizona you off i am yeah. uh, when um when we moved out uh you know i used to live in in phoenix metro and i worked um, at the power plant and the power plants you know 40 50 miles west of the um rest of the, the metro area and uh, got married started having kids and uh, didn't want to spend a couple hours a day on the freeway when i could spend them at home with the, the wife and kids yeah and so we we decided uh, to, to move out of the city and 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 uh, you know i always tell people when i first went out to the uh, power plant i used to drive out there and i mean it's pretty deserty you know and i used to sit there coming from new england with his trees and all and the greenery and i was like you know who in the hell would want to live out here you know yeah <laughs> But once I moved out, you couldn't drag me back into the city. It, really? it is so nice. Yeah. It's so relaxing and and, and, and and nice being out in basically the middle of nowhere. And um, there's a lot more wildlife and, and things going on out there than meets the eye. When you once you become part of the landscape for a while and you really you tune into what's going on in the desert, it's it's rather beautiful. It's it's a nice place to be. 
the um so uh, how many kilowatt hours would you say you use a month um you know you're gonna ask me those kind of questions and i, I you know i i, I honestly couldn't tell you because i i don't meter it i have about uh five kilowatts or uh of of solar and of course arizona they consider it to be like the saudi arabia of solid uh, of solar energy uh we get you know 300 and probably 50 days a year of like sunshine but um so I've never really, you know, measured my usage. I usually go by my generator hours, like how many hours a day if I have to run a generator, would I have to uh, to make up what the solar wind do? And um, other than the summertime, I run my generator very, very little. You know, I mean, we'll get a couple cloudy days in the winter time, or if I, up until recently, I, if I had a heavy load um, like my deep well pump, because my well is about five hundred feet. I'd have to run the generator for that. So I'd do it for an hour or so a week just to run the, the, the deep well pump, bring the water up, and I have a, a surface storage tank for uh, our drinking and, and household water. Um, I but see. short of that, I wouldn't have to run my generator so, very much at all. The solar does it. So you, you, you have batteries, though, right? Bank of batteries. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, um, How I've, many batteries? I've gone, um, well, I, I've gone through a few iterations of batteries, much you were talking about yeah. earlier when uh, we were introducing yeah. each other. Um, about your about your batteries um i originally started out with uh lead acid batteries uh golf cart batteries right haven't worked in the power industry i had a friend that was basically working for the utility in their kind of their solar field or uh, their 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 segment of their solar and um he told me there was no better buy at that time than than basically just off the shelf golf cart batteries right. he goes the rest of them are all money money for what you're spending on you're not going to get the value out of it because lead acid batteries have a, a finite life here. You're, you're going to use them up. And um, they're, 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 so when people make these big investment in battery systems, you can dollar per dollar per stored watt is it, it doesn't really change. I mean, you can sit there and go, I'm going to buy a really huge battery bank so I don't have to cycle it very much and spend that money. But over the course of the time, that money is, is no better than if you just bought a smaller battery bank and hit it really hard and have to replace every few years. Yeah, because lead acid batteries are just that's just the way they are. So I did that for a few years. Yeah, um, went through I think uh, two maybe three uh, levels of the because um, I hit I did I went for the smaller battery bank, hit them pretty hard and then replace them. So I went through like about three cycles of my lead acid batteries. Um, as I get a little older, as you can see, um, uh, I decided that uh, I, my batteries are down in a kind of a, a, a hole in the ground that I built um, with like a little foundation area over because my all my power stuff is away from the house separate. And my battery bank is underground just because of the, the summertime temperatures were kind of brutal on, the, on batteries. So it gives them a much better environment to function in. But it was getting too hard for you know an old man like me to be climbing down there and you know removing you know a couple of tons worth of lead acid batteries in this hole every five or six years. Right. So I um so at the time I did some research and I had gone with the uh, um, nickel iron batteries and nickel iron batteries is entirely different chemistry. Um, you know lead acid batteries are acid batteries and nickel iron batteries are basically on the other end of the pH scale. They're they're base batteries, and um, you don't really change the mechanical properties of the metals in the batteries as you do in a lead acid battery which is why they wear out nickel iron batteries most of the uh, chemical storage is basically in um uh in the electrolyte so like the electrolyte will actually uh wear out it absorbs uh carbon dioxide which turns into carbonic acid and eventually uh, acid in a base battery you know they eventually kill each other mm -hmm. and um so you change the electrolyte so now you're just 
moving a bunch of liquid in and out of the hole instead of uh, instead of a bunch of uh, you know lead. And um, they work really well. I was very pleased with them. And uh, they're basically, you know, they, they kind of sell them as like forever batteries because the actual physical battery is, is you change the electrolyte in them. And then, you know, there's, they uh, originally were called Edison cells because Thomas Edison came up with them. And um, how often do you have to change? Out. How often do you have to change the electrolyte? Um, depending on uh, how well you take care of them and how hard you use them and how much you know carbon you get in uh, carbon dioxide they get in but um, I did oh, probably close to 10 years wow um, on them and they, and, uh, and they were still functioning when um, they uh, when I stopped using them I just uh, they, they were I could tell they were getting tired it was getting time for an electrolyte change and um, so what'd you go to from the time, there I, I well um, one of my sons um, is uh, did some time in the Navy, get out, started a business. He also worked at the power plant, but he started a business of his own called RV Solar Concepts. And uh, he um, got me a deal I couldn't say no to on a bunch of uh, lithium-ion batteries. And lithium so I've gone uh, with uh, lithium-ion batteries now. And um, the size of the battery bank is about a fourth of what the nickel iron batteries were and they've got about uh, a third more capacity and they the cycle life on those i will probably be uh, by the time i have to replace those batteries i'm assuming it's going to be somebody else's problem that long i mean they'll they'll last how yes. can you venture a guess bob of how long they're going to last these guys um i figure i'll probably get uh 20 years out of them whoa lithium ion yeah. lithium ion did I read uh, something though that these guys? Okay, well, it's lithium, lithium, actually, it's lithium iron phosphate is the uh, oh is lithium the iron lithium iron phosphate, huh? Yes. And uh, let's see. Can you give me an idea? I with how many square feet you have, how many people, and how many batteries you have and panels. Kind of walk us through well, that. I, well, again, when I moved out to uh, I moved out to the desert with my. Uh, wife and an infant son at the time and mm -hmm. now we had I two infant sons after a while and that kind of stuff happens um <laughs> it was a uh, you know it, it, i promised her um that um, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference that we were moving basically to an off-grid house you know right. i mean uh, the the you know because like i said we lived very rural and um to bring to bring power in from the power company was going to be a sizable investment yeah uh, you know they just they weren't going to bring it onto the property and it's and that's kind of the trade-off. You can get land, rural land, fairly cheap if it doesn't have utilities. Yeah, you can't because yeah, that's right. to bring utilities in. Yeah. And um, after I looked at what the expense was for the utilities and realized that um, all that was going to buy me was the privilege of a monthly electric bill. I mean, I didn't buy the first electron, right? Yeah. Um, that I uh, I I put that money into a, a an off-grid system. Um, and you couldn't tell the difference. I mean, our house is a perfectly modern two thousand sure. square foot home with microwaves and big screen tvs and you know internet and the kids were playing video games all the time they're going i mean you, yeah. you know it was just a, it was a house i also have a small uh, little mother-in-law shed or house or whatever behind it that one of my other sons resides in off and on he's a, a contract worker he travels the country and works but when he uh, comes into the, the the phoenix area to work he he stays there and um so that's a and energy use i mean that's like another whole house really i'm sporting two houses the square footage isn't so much the uh, uh the issue as much as you know the big energy uses because i mean 
heating is I do, you know, nat- I, I have propane for, for heat and for stove and for my dryer. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it is electric. The same with the little place that he has. So, you know, the big ones are refrigerator and your TVs and, uh, you know, um, your, your microwaves and things like that. Th- those kind of loads are, uh, are it doesn't yeah. matter whether you live in a matchbox, whether you live in a, a mansion, that, you know, you, those kind of loads are going to be roughly the same. So And water pump. Um, so you use water pump as well, right? In, in the water pump. And, um, you know, knowing where things were going here in the not too distant future, I did some upgrade about the time that I changed my batteries out. I, uh, I also upgraded my uh, solar, my inverter system so that I could actually uh, produce 220 volt AC instead of just the 110. And so now I can run my deep well pump off the sun. And so now I run my generator even less because I didn't want to be on um, I wanted to be able to get by if I couldn't get oil because I still believe or the price of oil gets so prohibitive as, you know, we're seeing here things are, are, are right. shaping up. Oil's getting rather, the cost is getting prohibitive and, and I don't think it's going to stop there. It's going to get, it's going to get worse. Sure. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, until they start taxing the sun, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm doing my part to, to try to try to live as lean as I can. So the inverter for, so folks knows if I understand it, I have one downstairs that I'm not using, but it transfers the sun DC into AC, right? So you can plug in your computer and your TV. That's correct. Yeah, yeah the inverters will basically take, uh, you know, uh, whatever voltage DC your battery bank is and your soul is putting out and it'll turn it into stuff that comes out of the, the socket on the wall. Yeah. How many panels do you have? Um, well, I'd say it's um, it's about five kilowatts of uh, of um solar panel the panels let's see i got like six and six six and then it's about 22 panels in total yeah i have 24 panels on my roof but they're 25 years old is there any chance that these things got any juice in your opinion oh yeah i mean they they, they, most of the panel manufacturers they'll uh, warranty the panels for 20 years to produce at least eighty percent of what they're rated at. Really? There is some degradation over the course of years that they uh, that their, their production will fall off a little bit. But um, you know they, they do they do degrade. But they're I'm sure if unless they've had some physical damage on them, yeah. I'm sure they're probably still putting power on. Interesting. So, in your opinion, are the panels that I purchased twenty five years ago are the panels that you can get today much more? Uh, productive and just overall better, longer lasting, or do you know? Well, the, I, the probably the, the the mechanism probably hasn't changed that much, depending on um, what you know. There's a couple of different uh, monocrystals, and you know uh, the, the way they, the way they actually produce the silicon. But um, the, the panels are probably you know, I mean, as anything, they get a little smarter on how they do business, and so I'm sure some of the panels from a, a manufacturing quality is probably a little better, mm-hmm. but. Um, Production-wise, uh, probably not. I, oh. I'd say they're, they're probably pretty pretty equivalent to what you're getting now. The um, yeah. The, the biggest thing is a lot of the equipment has gotten the, the the support equipment has gotten better. I mean, the panels are pretty inert. They just sit there and right. you know take a take a photon and split it and send an electron down the wire kind of thing. But the uh, the the support equipment, the charge controllers, the inverters, and things like that have, have uh, definitely changed. Yeah. Uh, the cost has come down considerably. If you bought those panels. You know, 20, 25 years ago, you were probably paying four dollars or better a watt, and now you can buy uh, solar panels for less than a dollar a watt if you look around. Interesting. I can give you an idea. This was in '97. Uh, my solar system. I think we have 24 panels. I I think we had 24 batteries. I can't tell you either exactly, but I was using about 1,200 
kilowatt hours a, a month, right? 1200 kilowatt hours. And we were, we, we were good, you know, for years. And I, but the, back then it cost me 25,000. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, and like I say, that was, you know, pretty close to the equivalent of what it was going to cost me to bring utility lines. Utility lines the yeah. yeah. So is that yeah, close so to what uh, you have to pay to get you set up about 25 grand, everything you're talking um, about? Probably all told. Yeah. I probably have something like that invested in it because I also have a, you know, a couple of diesel generators I bought because during the summertime, the, um, the air conditioning load is probably more than you can really run on solar. I mean, I, of course you can, if you, you want to invest in the amount of, um, uh, solar and storage storage being the big one because yeah. I mean, you know, there's easily 12 hours a day that the sun's not shining. And, uh, you know, if you still want your air conditioner running when it's, you know, 9,500 degrees out as it does in the desert out here, sometimes, um, you, you, you just can't do that on, on, yeah. uh, uh, Bob, I shouldn't say you can't, you, yeah. you're just not, uh, prudent to yeah. try to do that on that. So it's, it's cheaper to do it with a generator. Bob Anderson is with us. Patrick Timpone, one radio network.com. So, I, if I heard you correctly, though, earlier in our conversation, Robert, um, you mentioned that if you had some couple cloudy days and you'd have to get on the generator, I mean, but you should, I don't understand, couldn't you last longer than two days without sun? Walk me through um, that. Well, yeah, no, I mean, um, it, it, again, it depends on, on your on your load. I mean, right. you, you become, you, you need to become one with the... <laughs> One with the, the right. environment, right? right. And, yeah. you know, if you sit there and, and you got the, you know, I also have a small wind turbine that I have um, that I put up. And um, mostly I did that as entertainment. It's much more entertaining in a solar panel to watch <laughs> the wind turbine. Right. Um, yeah. it, it, and, and so there's a lot of times when the sun's not shining, the, the wind tends to be blowing. You know, there's a little storm or clouds going in. And um, if you have like some really significant sunny days going on, it's, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, can we do laundry today? Well, absolutely. You can do laundry today. In fact, we don't need to load it up, do three or four loads. Um, if it's a cloudy day, you know, and maybe you got to wait a day or two before we do laundry. It's those kind of things. Yes, where if you pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. You can go more than a few days on, uh, on cloudy days. Like say right now I'm back here in new England and the property back in, in Tonopah's got almost no load on it. I mean, it's got, you know, some internet and the refrigerator's running and things like that. I have people stopping in and kind of checking up on the place. And, and, and in fact, Ernie, the guy you were talking about earlier, he's kind of staying out there right now Isn't on the property yeah. as a, as a, as a place in his, in his studio bus. But, um, so there's very little load out there. I haven't run the generator in yeah. weeks. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't, I just don't need to. One year ago we had, you probably have read about it, this incredible freeze in Texas, right? Uh, I mean, it was like we were almost two weeks where they were turning the power off every four hours and total, oh, yeah, 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 total yeah. freeze. I mean, it was like nothing like this had happened in Texas forever. And um, the story was that the Texas grid had invested a lot in solar and wind when the government was subsidizing it, so they thought it was a great idea, right? But all this stuff froze up, right? The solar and the wind. Illusion? No, no. Nope, nope, sorry. No, I, I was pushing buttons and I shouldn't have. <laughs> okay. So, so the story was that the government, the great state of Texas, which is one of the few grids that are isolated from other states, they invested yep. a lot of money into solar and wind when the government subsidizes it. You know how that goes. And right. then these things all froze up and then somebody screwed up and they didn't have enough juice to the actual plates that were producing the uh 
the uh, natural gas places and they froze up. So we had this freeze apocalypse, we called it around here. And so I'm thinking this year or in pre- next year's that it'd be great if I could just use a few panels on my roof to keep the water pump, which is if I have water and um, freezer and refrigerator, I'm good, right? I can have a wood-burning yeah. stove. That's all I need. Um, uh, but then, then I'm thinking, well, if that doesn't work well, I'm, can you walk us through how you would incorporate a, a generator for people that want to have just some protection if their power goes out? I mean, could you use... But a generator has to run all the time. I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm sorry, but walk me through this. What's your thinking? Well, it, it, early on, and um, I, uh, when I was doing the research to put the system together, and I was because I installed everything on myself. I, I, wow. I had enough background that I kind of understood what I needed to do. Um, there was thing, and they referred it to uh, the Alaskan system or an Alaskan setup. And what they do is. Um, when you have an inverter that will take the uh, DC from your batteries, most of them are inverter chargers, right? So they'll actually, if there's AC power available, they'll take that AC, pass it through to the house, and if they got a little extra left over, they'll charge the batteries with it, right? So you can sit there and run your generator, and any internal combustion engine runs more efficient at, at, at a higher load, right? You don't want to sit there and, you know, have the generator running all night just so the night light in the bathroom stays on, right? right, right. Um, <laughs> so what you do is you, um, you you set up the inverter so that when you turn the generator on, it loads the generator up fairly high. It'll be more efficient that way. Run the house loads that you need to run and then charge the batteries. And so then what happens is you only have to run the generator a couple hours a day, you turn that off, and then you spend the rest of the time recouping that energy you stored in the batteries. Through the batteries, on. right. Okay. Right, so they don't necessarily have to have a solar panel charge the batteries. The batteries don't care where it's coming from, so the inverter will do that, and um, and so that will basically uh, how you set it up so you don't have to run the generator twenty four seven. Is yeah, because that would just be yeah, yeah. incredibly inefficient, and you'd wear your generator out in short order, and you know that kind of thing. So, in the generator, would you want to get a propane in general, or you said or diesel? It, well, depending on how much you plan on using it, like um, you know. Um, Propane, you can put it in a tank, it lasts forever. You know, I mean, it's not going to yeah. go bad. Gasoline will go bad. Diesel will eventually go bad um, if you're not using it. Um, and so, depending on if you're just talking about using it for a uh, an occasional backup for, you know, a, a, a freeze apocalypse kind of thing, you'd probably be better off with propane. Um, a lot of it comes down to is uh, dollars per BTU. Uh, propane mm-hmm. does not have as much... Um, uh, bang for your buck, as as diesel does, and or uh, or as gasoline does. So it's it's a trade off. If um, if you want long term, basically you don't have to pay attention to its storage. Uh, that would probably be propane would probably be your best your best bet. Yeah. So a generator, um, it wouldn't really work well if you had a freeze apocalypse just to do a few items like I'm thinking about. Like people say, well, I just want to run my fridge and. And uh, my freezer and my water pump, um, it wouldn't work well for that because you got you would have to keep turning it off and on, right? The generator, it would be a mess, right? Right, and so that's why you really want to have a battery, a battery. and, a, and a, an inverter setup so that you can uh, basically uh, use that during that kind of a that kind of a situation where it's so you're you always can, charging up the batteries, Bob, and then using the battery juice to do your stuff, right? 
Right. And, you know, you could sit there and, you know, you're, you know, it's, it's time to do laundry or pump the well or do whatever it is. And they basically you'd run the generator. And then when it's all said and done, and you don't want to do that anymore. You can turn the generator off. There's enough storage in the batteries to, you know, run your TV and occasionally, you know, pop a glass of hot chocolate or something into the microwave or, you know, make a, make a pot of coffee or something. Whatever. And, and you can do that off the batteries without having to start the yeah. generator. Are those generators, uh, talk about those, or they say like a, propane their, their expense uh, and are they loud um well it depends on where you have them i have mine about 200 feet from the house ah. so and it's in and it's in a, a a small cinder block building that i built for it because one you put a money invested into it you want to keep it protected and yes, out of the out of the weather as much and that also helps keep it soundproof um but you know, mine's a fairly you know fairly good sized generator. It's about twelve kW, so it was uh, a little expensive to to get it. But I use it during the summertime to run my air conditioner. Um, so I, I needed something a little larger. Something I mean, if it was just for a few days and you just needed to you know get by for uh, you know the freeze apocalypse or whatever that you're you're preparing for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of these uh, you know construction generators that you see at like Home Depot, one of the big box stores. Uh, you know, five, six kilowatt generator, big gasoline powered, but you could probably, it would, would work just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, obviously you, you don't, you can't run a really a generator off of your batteries. I mean, it sucks it pretty quickly, correct? What? Air conditioning? Air conditioning, yeah. Yeah, the air conditioning. Oh yeah, it would, uh, I mean, that's a pretty heavy load to, to an extent. Like say my house, what I do is, um, uh, I kind of zone cool it. We also have, uh, you can probably do it in Texas too, evaporated coolers. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of places in the country people don't know what they are because they just don't work there. But, you know, I'm sure where it's, it's kind of hot and dry, evap coolers work fine. Well, I'll sit there and I won't have to run my air conditioner probably till oh, early July. Wow. Because uh, I can run my evap cooler. My evap cooler runs just fine off the uh, the battery power and, uh, and, and the desert cools off pretty quick. So, you know, if I can sit there and run the evap cooler to, you know, couple hours after the sun goes down then after that it's actually quite really pleasant sure. uh, yeah. once the once the real bulk of the summer you know it gets you know brutal you know cooking eggs on the sidewalk kind of heat um it, you got to run the air conditioner and what i'll do is i'll i'll have the air conditioner going in my bedroom and it's a little window shaker that i have there and i can run that for quite a quite a long time actually on the on the batteries i mean the uh um so if i'm cool and i can go to sleep when it's cool out i'm i'm I'm, I'm I'm fine, and you know then it'll go a couple more weeks into July, and then pretty soon it's like you know, it's just getting so brutal. You just got to turn on the big the yeah, big AC, the big and then you know, I'll run the generator 14, 16 hours a day, and uh, you know I'll um, uh, it doesn't cycle. I've got my air conditioner actually undersized to my house, so that it stays on all the time, and so it'll come on, and I'll just like um, I'll I'll really chill the house down till about eight nine o'clock at night, turn it off, and that'll carry me through the evening once the sun's down. And then I'll have it come back on, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. And, and yeah. then and we start the process over again. Like I say, you might, you gotta, you gotta become with your environment. You yeah, gotta become you, one with your environment. You, you, you get involved with the weather and your life and, and your, what yeah, you need. Yeah. I mean, you just do, right? You just do, which is kind right. of fun though, right? It keeps you in tune. Yeah. And, and it isn't, yeah. And it isn't, it isn't difficult no you know, yeah being being in harmony with your surroundings is it, it comes pretty natural once you start doing it it's yeah. it's just a it, it's kind of funny sometimes because i'll get people who come visit and who aren't 
cued into that. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't think about when they, you know, it's a, it's a half an hour before the sun comes up and the batteries are a little low. I can wait that extra half hour to brew a pot of coffee because I know if I try to do it right now, the generator will want, will come on, but other people won't, they'll, they won't, they'll come on. And it'll be, you know, the, the sun's just coming up over the horizon and they'll, you know, fire up a big load and then the generator will come on and go, you know, if you had waited about 20 minutes, <laughs> this would be free. You learn kind of thing. You learn. So, so you have it set up so the generator comes on automatically when you need juice. Yeah, that's correct. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on how you have the setup, uh, the inverters, um, you, you know, it's the inverters I have since I mm-hmm. use them for the house and have for quite a time. It's, you know, they, they're, they're pretty smart. I mean, they'll, they, you can program them to do different things and they'll auto start generators and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll run them for a certain amount of time and then turn them off and, or they'll go to a certain voltage and then turn them off in the batteries. So, I mean, they, it's, you can set them up to be pretty hands off. I mean, you don't, uh, and I also have the ability through my, uh, the internet to be able to monitor what's going on at the house and turn things on and off if I need to. Yeah. So, I mean, even from, I can be in New England and turn things on and off in my house right now. And then if I, I look at the weather and I have, I have some cameras on the property. If I look and go, oh, it's kind of cloudy today. And um, uh, maybe I need to run the generator before the sun goes down. I, I can turn it on and off from, from remotely also. So, we're talking with Bob Anderson. Bob, I'm going to take a little break here, sir. Okay. Okay. And we'll be we'll be right back. This is a great product. I just bought some of this myself. Previously, with our friend Brandon Amalani of Shen Blossom. A good example of this also is like the Hoshu Wu formula. Mm. That is um, mm. that's a new one that came out. It's, it's really good because it's a blood builder. A lot of people don't understand that Hoshu Wu is actually toxic if it's not prepared correctly. Um, so I wanted to come out with one that not only features the hoshu wu as the king herb in the formula but it's prepared of a minimum of 14 days usually we try and get 20 21 days of cooking it so you can think of it as like it's in a slow cooker with black beans um and it's basically just cooking down and deactivating some of those liver toxic compounds so we do use that as like the bulk of the formula but we basically put a lot of like mature ginseng root like in our root extract we have the fermented hydrolyzed pearl powder reishi stem and it's got Shudi Hong, which is like a Romania type family. We got both the prepared warm stuff and then the cool stuff to kind of balance it out in the sense so it doesn't become sticky. If you get a good quality Hoshu Wu that's properly prepared, it definitely has some invigorating qualities to it and makes you feel relaxed, but yet fully vigorous and energized. Now, that's the kind of Hoshu Wu that you would like, right? Really nice products, as you can hear. If you'd like to order Hoshu Wu or the other products, click on Shen Blossom right there on the front page. OneRadioNetwork.com. I've known Brandon for a long time, and boy, it's just a, really a fine fellow, just a fine fellow, and and uh, he has uh, amazing products. The uh, uh, oh, the different protein powders that we're using in our smoothies now is just. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. A picture of it. Yeah, here it is. It's pretty cool. Uh, this is called Grotein from Shen Blossom. We mix this up with our colostrum and fruit and some spirulina, chlorella, and uh, man, you get it going in the morning and you know, probably have to eat for six, seven, eight hours You know, after that. Grotein, this is a wonderful chlorophyll protein powder. He's got two of them, and uh, both of them are based, uh, the first ingredient is, if you can believe it, is bamboo. Yeah, it's bamboo. I mean, come on, what's, what's not to like about that? Bamboo, it's amazing. Uh, Shen Blossom, oneradionetwork.com, click and order. 
This would be a nice thing. We can get these to you before Christmas if you want to order one. Lisa wants to know what does Dr. Cotton think about the far infrared saunas that Patrick is always talking about for detox. Yeah, I like infrared saunas, uh, near infrared and far infrared both. So those help to shake loose from our cells the toxins that are trapped inside our cells and they go into the extracellular space. If you're working on your lymphatic system, then the toxins that are in the extracellular space will go into the lymphatic vessels and travel back to, to the central circulation and be pumped by the heart through the uh, kidneys and into the urinary bladder and toilet or through the liver and the gallbladder and the bowel and finally into the toilet. And so that is, a, is an excellent way to, uh, to detoxify. Thank you, Dr. Lee Cowden. Thank you, Dr. Cowden. I'm going to interrupt here because we have a different price than we had when we recorded that commercial. They've gone up a little bit because of uh, the uh, uh, whatever things going on between uh, the east and the, and the ocean and the supply chain. It's just, you know, it's nuts. Just nuts. And, of course, it's climate change. It's a problem. But anyway, they, they, uh, they, got, they had to raise the uh, price on the shipping. These uh, saunas are made at a medical university in Taiwan, and uh, they've won, oh, several awards for this uh, this technology in Taiwan. And, you know, if we don't go to war over Taiwan and, and China, I guess we'll, we'll keep this stream going. I don't know, what, you know, who knows. But anyway, um, if you email me, uh, that's how to get the best price ever. It's 1,295 Federal Reserve notes, such as they are. You can trade them for... <laughs> Well, you know, you can trade them for a sauna and uh, we'll ship it to you and we can get it to you in the next oh, two or three days. Uh, boom, they'll go right out. So just email me if you'd like to get one. In the lower 48, 1295 we ship them all over the world. We've shipped them to Ireland, to Australia, to Japan, uh, er- everywhere. Uh, just email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Uh, before we go back to Mr. Bob Anderson, I uh, just want to give a quick mention to this technology. This is Brown's Gas Hydrogen that we've been using this machine. We're going on what has been two, uh, two, two, well, whatever, 26, 28 months. I breathe this uh, Brown's Gas Hydrogen almost every day of my life. And you can do it yourself if you choose to get one. You can also drink the water. We make the hydrogen water. Hydrogen is an amazing molecule. It's the only molecule that's on both sides of the, um, the um, well, you, you know, you, you know what I mean. This, you know what I mean. Uh, with all the minerals, I used to know what that is. Anyway, it's on both sides of them, um, and uh, it's it's probably the most uh, prolific molecule in the universe. Many people say that's what the stars eat for breakfast. Uh, uh, it's the elemental scale, you know. That yeah, that's where the hydrogen is. Anyway, it's great technology. Uh, it's been used uh, so much in the in the East for people that have had strokes, and they're recovering much more quickly from strokes. Working it with the cancer, uh, you can get one of these machines on our website. Use promo code One Radio ten percent discount. I, I have been introduced to a lot of gadgets doing uh, talk shows and in radio for over 50 years. And I tell you, uh, this is uh, one of the most exciting technologies I've come across. You can imagine the pills and potions and technologies that people have sent me 
since I'm on the air, and they think, you know, you'll talk about it, and um, this is the most exciting one that I've experienced in all my years of broadcasting. It's really cool. You can look at the research at molecularhydrogeninstitute.org, molecularhydrogeninstitute.org, uh, and uh, check it out. And there's a lot of peer-reviewed studies that will get you going, and you'll probably want to get one of these. We can also get these to you before the end of the year if that's uh, something that's interesting to you. Promo code One Radio. Know the source on One Radio Network. Bob, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's really fun talking to you. Here's a fellow that knows a lot about solar, and we'll talk about a few other things. He's a freedom advocate as well. I mean, come on. Who's not into freedom these days? We could use more of you guys out there, too. I talked to Ernie, Han- Ernie Hancock. He was, I guess you're good friends with Ernie. He's a, he's a wonderful guy, isn't he? Just a really Yeah, I've known Ernie for oh, probably 30-some-odd years. Huh. Um, shortly after I moved out to Arizona, I, I, I came across him, and we've been uh, pretty close ever since uh, working on projects um, you know, further in, the, further in the voice of freedom, did a lot of work on the uh, Ron Paul revolution with him and, ah, uh, yeah. you know, do a lot of uh, uh, work uh, just in Arizona. You know, Arizona's got uh, quite a, libertar- a libertarian streak in it. And yeah. um, um, so uh, we, we've, we've, we've worked on a lot of projects together. Hmm. Before we get into that, and we will before we go, but uh, George wants to know, he lives in South Carolina. Could you ask your guess how I could figure out I'm I'm in a sub subdivision, but I'd like to get off the grid, and I do have some trees around in the neighborhood. How can I figure out? He wants to know if I have enough sun to even make it uh, feasible. Well, again, you know, um, a lot of it is walk, walk outside <laughs> <laughs> and, and and see if it's sunny out. Um, you know, I mean, the, the track of the sun. You know, um, being up here in New England right now, I've already been like kind of looking around at the the, the where the trees are. You know, mm. are, the, are they uh, are they pine trees or the the leaves fall off in the winter time? Um, you know, what kind of shading you're going to have? It's, uh, I mean, there are professionals who will come out and evaluate your your site, uh, you know, they have the little protractor things they put with the track of the sun and comes yeah. up in the east, goes in the west, and, you know, what they call it, the the apex or the, the the highest point during different months of the year. And, um, you know, out in Arizona, I don't have to worry about that because the highest thing is about, you know, maybe waist high if you're not in a wash. Uh, so they just don't have so my panels don't, yeah. I don't, I, I don't have to really worry about, worry about the panels being in shade, but, um, you know, if you want to pay someone, it won't be, it probably won't be cheap, um, you know, and then, of course, they're going to be the ones that will probably try to talk you into what you, uh, what you want to buy and, and, and um, but they'll evaluate your site. But the first thing to do is just go out and see, you know, what's the track of the sun, yeah. you know, where it comes up in the, you know, particularly we're coming up on the shortest day of the year, right? So the sun will be at its low, its lowest zenith, I think is the, uh, the, the, the term or whatever, the, the highest point in the sky. Um It'll be coming up here, let's see, in about a week. And um, so uh, about a week from now, go out at noon and see where the sun is and then get a general idea of whether it's going to work for you. At certain times of the year, like say where I'm, the house I'm currently sitting in right now up here in New England, it'd be pretty useless to put solar panels on it uh, for probably six months of the year. Um, so would I get my money's worth out of having it uh, for the amount of panels I could put it? Pro- probably not, unless you know I wanted to start you know, deforesting the area around the house. Could so you that, put that's the panels the thing to do. like up where you are in other places? Does it make sense to put the panels away from the house 
with the contraption that kind of controls their uh, their their tilt and all that. Yeah. Well, and again, that's a that was a. Um, Back in the day when you probably first bought your panels and I first started buying my panels when they were like $4 a watt, mm -hmm. uh, trackers were actually beneficial um, because they would uh, give you more uh, daily, <clears throat> excuse me, more daily uh, production for, mm -hmm. for the amount of money you put in because you're basically buying square foot of silicon that you're basically facing the sun. The longer you can keep it facing the sun, the more you get out of it. But they come with their own uh, pitfalls. There's maintenance has to be done in them, and they, they can break, and you know they, they're not cheap. There's an expense to them also. Um, I don't have trackers on my panels in Arizona. I, um, as the prices come down, it's actually gotten where it's cheaper to just buy more, more panels, panels <laughs> yeah. than it is to buy a tracker to take the smaller square footage of silicon to try to get more out of them. Interesting. So it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, so it, again, it all comes down to what your available surface area is, which direction it's facing. Um, you know, it's a lot of people I see even out here in uh, or back in Arizona, they put them on, they put them on their roof um, they, because a lot of people have really small postage stamp yards kind of thing. So yeah. their their areas on the roof. What they don't understand is that um, it takes you know a, a bird dropping on a solar panel can significantly impact the entire. Uh, array of solar panels really? the amount of power puts on wow. yeah because the way the, the way you wire the panels any kind of shading at all can significantly impact it so you want to really want to be able to go up there and look at your panels do maintenance on them if you need to or basically clean them i have all my panels are ground mounted so i can take the hose over to them and you know once or twice a month i'll go over there and just hose the dust off them and 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 you see a you see a change in production well you know that's that's interesting you say that because mine are on the roof and it takes something to get on the roof where I am. I have a straw bale house, really cool, uh, a lovely uh, construction, but I never did that. I never went up there and cleaned them or anything. Well, well, that's interesting. I Nobody told me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, any kind of shading on a panel at all can uh, adversely affect the entire, the entire string that they're connected to. Dirt, even dirt, huh? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, dust on them will uh, definitely impact the, uh, hmm. you know, the, the, the capacity of the yeah. panels. Boy, I tell you what, you know, I mentioned straw bale. If I built another home, and I probably will someday, I would do a straw bale again. Uh, I just can't speak highly enough about how fun they are to be in. Uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the thermal reduction. I think we stay about 20 degrees difference in the temperature from outside with nothing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I did a lot of research did on looking at uh, straw bale uh, construction when uh, we were first uh, talking about moving out to the property. We went to the conventional uh, building just because of the amount of time it was going to take. We wanted to build our own house, but the uh, difference between getting a construction loan and then the uh, interest rates on a construction loan before you get it turned into a, a conventional loan and the amount of time it was going to take us if we built it ourselves, we have someone come in and build it. And, you know, the banks are not your friends. You know, they, yeah. they are... They, they definitely make it difficult for you to try to do things on your own. They, they, they want you to be in the little cookie cutter, buy your, buy your house, buy your land, conventional mortgage, you know, pay us for the next 30 years of your blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that's a formula that works for them. Um, so it, it's, it's a little more difficult to sit there and actually, uh, and they won't loan you money hardly to, to, to buy raw land. They want you to have, yeah. you know, put a house on it so they can have, have, something they can repossess and get their money back out of you. Um, so it, it, it's tough. Uh, we did a lot of research into um, rammed earth, 
earth bags, straw bale, all that stuff. And um, we we're, we still play around with some of that stuff. But now that uh, you're on our property, we have some, you know, outbuildings that we've done some playing with uh, rammed earth and that kind of stuff. But uh, um, it, it was just wasn't conducive to a, you know, yeah. wife, two infant kids and, uh, you know, we got to get on the property kind of thing. So we did conventional uh, conventional construction at the time. Yeah, I understand. Uh, if you'd like to ask Bob a question before he goes, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com or 888-663-6386. So let's talk about a little big picture thing here. Uh, as you know, this whole Agenda 21 and this idea of uh, Green New Deal and solar and uh, you know global warming is all about um, trying to make everybody go to a more alternative energy, right? Now, there are critics that suggest that this thing is about really controlling the energy because there's no way solar wind could could supply all the stuff that they say. Is that true? Uh, yeah, that, no, you, you can't. You can't. Um, just can't do well, it. I, well, well, you hate to be, you know, make definitive statements like that, I guess. It, it's just not going to be... Um, readily done in our current lifestyle which is all part of you know i think what we're living through right now is their uh their their desire to try to change the direction that mankind's living and i think they're going to try to make us all live much much simpler cave dwelling kind of lives oh no <laughs> own nothing deal. right but, uh, yeah that kind of thing right yeah yeah, yeah you yeah it's uh, you, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be happy right? <laughs> you will be happy um uh and, and so, I mean, you know, how you want to, uh, how they approach that. I mean, you know, again, you guys went through that, uh, you know, freezing mm-hmm. issue that you had there in Texas and the conventional power plants. Unless you have a certain amount of backup conventional base load power plants, then you better, if you want to go totally green and off the grid, then you better go be, be, be willing to accept the fact that there are going to be times of the year where you better have a bunch of candles. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's inevitable. You know, Mother Nature is not going to play well all the time. And, and you know, you, these events happen. You look at the people that just, uh, you know, we're over there. God help them in Tennessee. You know, they yeah. are going through the tornadoes and everything. I mean, you know, everybody's holding that out like, oh, my God, this is global warming. It's like, no, it, it's pretty rare. But December hurricanes happen. I mean, uh, tornadoes happen and they tend to be brutal, you know, and uh, they, they, and so look at the power lines that are down there you know i mean uh, you know it, it, if you had fields of solar panels you'd be picking up silicon chips same 100 thing. miles away yeah, you know same mean? thing yeah. and so uh, you, know, you can't rely on that you have to have base load generation having come from uh, you know working in the nuclear background at a base load generating plant um they, you you got to have a certain amount of turbines that are ready to bring online if you need them if you're going to live in that and nobody is going to invest in that kind of ex- uh, uh, baseload generation uh, plant unless you get to run it, right? I mean, you, you're not going to spend, I mean, these things cost many millions, if not two billions of dollars to build these big baseload generating plants. And no one's going to b- put that much investment into that kind of in- infrastructure to what, run it 20, 20 days a year? Um, it, it, it doesn't, it does make financial sense. So that has to, the, the Gordian knot that needs to be untied of renewable energy is storage. And, and, and that really what it comes down to. And there's really not a a viable 
efficient method. They're working on it. You know, they have these uh, gravity batteries where they're running weighted train cars up and down mountainsides and stacking concrete blocks with crane. I mean, you can go on the internet and look at some of the, wow. the schemes. They're talking about having, uh, you know, some of the salt domes where they want to run them like big uh, pressure tanks and run compressed air into them and when they have extra energy. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize there's gravity batteries that we use right now that are called hydroelectric plants. A lot of them, they, you know, basically they pump water up, up, upstream when they have extra power and they run it back through the turbines when they don't and pump back systems but they're not efficient it, it um they, they're it, again there's a lot of investment involved and they're really not efficient and they, they they don't quite know how to do it there's other people have talked about it's like well we're all going to go to these electric cars when everybody's got their car plugged in at the house then you now have the storage capacity so that basically you're during times of need everybody's car is going to chip in the extra battery power they have stored up and, and carry the grid. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 a lot of this is pie in the sky sure, and whether it ever comes to fruition remains to be seen. I don't see significant changes in the um, baseload generation capacity of the, the nation. If we want to maintain our less than third world status, like say, if we want to go that route, that's more power to it. I, 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 live a microcosm of that with my generator is my baseload generator and have my solar panels my battery storage and and guess what there's still times where i have to start my generator or i would have to get out the candles it's just just the real realism of the situation bob you were in the uh, nuclear biz for 20 years um is it safe and effective as the they claim the vaccines are? I mean, do you think we should go that route with nuclear? I live damn near next to the power plant that I worked in. If I didn't think it was safe, I wouldn't be living there. So yes, I mean, really, I'm, I'm I'm pretty. You know, I mean, they make a big deal of it. Is it has some significant potential if not dealt with correctly? Um, but um, I mean, as bad as things like Three Mile Island happen, they really. Wasn't that, I mean, you know, we really sucked for the utility. <laughs> you know, they lost uh, they lost a lot of investment in that, and there was a lot of expense in the cleanup. But there really wasn't. You know, we didn't lose like uh, over in Japan where they lost you know uh, you know hundreds of miles square around the plant were contaminated beyond uh, you know habitability. Kind or of Chernobyl, and, uh, right? Chernobyl as well. Yeah. Well, you know, in Chernobyl was you know you, 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 if you're going to sit there and put some white hot metal inside of basically a big charcoal briquette and then store it in a corrugated steel building and run experiments on it, you're going to get what you get. That's what they did. Huh? That's kind of what they were doing. They, uh, they, they, they were, there were graphite moderated reactors that uh, they had stored uh, basically in a building that wasn't, uh, you know, all the, in the reactors, modern reactors, they're all built in these big containment buildings or, you know, three or four foot thick concrete steel lined walls that are designed to maintain the uh, containment of the, you know, they didn't, they, their building was basically just a, a regular industrial building, you know, had a, a, a metal roof on it. And, wow. and so when the thing blew up, it, um, blew up. it was, they, they, they got what they got and they ran experiments on it. If you really look at the history of it, they, they purposely were running an experiment on it to, to, to see what they could the the, capa- the capabilities of the plant during certain situations and 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 uh, it got out it got away from them and you know I don't want to say they deserve what they got but they should have known better. They did. What, what was the uh, precipitated Three Mile Island and could that have been prevented? Um, you know, from what I know about it, uh, yes. I mean, it was a uh, they've changed design. They don't build those kind of plants anymore. Um, it was a basically a design issue that uh, that happened, and it was 
there was a lot of lessons learned from that, that that changed the industry. I mean, the industry went through some significant, significant changes that made it, made it much safer, you know, uh, that they, they, they learned some lessons for it. But, and again, I mean, as much as they say, uh, you know, as horrific as they say three mile Island or um, they actually say the, uh, at least what I've heard, you know, I have, I've yet to independently verify the information, but um, was that, the amount of increased cancer deaths that were caused from Two Mile Island were actually caused more by the um, air pollution from the makeup generation from coal plants that had to be used to make up the power lost from Two Mile Island I than ever happened because I of the radiation exposure. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. There was very little off-site radiation exposure from, from Three Mile Island. It was it was more or less a an industrial accident that cost the utility a significant amount of money. Yeah, a bunch of money. So is the real Achilles heel then, in your opinion, after all your years of, of, of uh, nu- nuclear, um, just earthquakes, something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, where they build the plants. I mean, you look at the uh, unfortunate um, accident over there in uh, Japan. Um, it was a biblical event. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, this was something that they, they, they were starting to, you know, there's some reports you can read that they had been looking at the uh, uh, potential for a tsunami um, event. I mean, I guess they had like a, you know, a 10 meter high tsunami wall and they had a 30 foot tsunami that came across and, and uh, my numbers might be off a little bit. I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, but I mean, it was one of those kind of things. I mean, they hadn't had that kind of an event in recorded history or, uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they were just starting to, there was some proposals out there about whether they needed to harden the sites against that potential, but at the time when they had built the sites, I mean, they had done their environmental assessment and 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 it had that wasn't even on their radar that that was a potential. Mm-hmm. So you know, how do you design for something of like a biblical event? It'd be like trying to say, what do you do? A comet came down and cratered a a, a nuclear plant. Well, <laughs> I mean, should, how do you design for that? Yeah, we should have planned for that. We should have planned for that. You can't plan for those kind of things, and that was kind of what they what they were faced, and um, yeah, and, and so they. they it was, it was, you know, that was pretty bad. That's about as bad as it gets. So politically, your opinion, what do you think is going on then with this Green New Deal, global warming thing, and, and the potential people that are maybe pro, pro-nuclear? pro I mean, there, is there a war going on, do you think, out there? In, in the- um, no, uh, you know, I don't know. My whole, you know, I mean, I spent a significant time, uh, you know, I was a pretty much an avid outdoorsman. I spent a lot of time up in the Pacific Northwest and, you know, climbing mountains and hiking trails and I hunt and fish. And, you know, I mean, I, I like the environment. I, you know, I'm big if I could, I'd, I'd hug a polar bear and a baby seal if I could. Yeah. Um, it, the, this is another, um, I think the Green New Deal, global warming, and, and you know, it's it's just another less filling, taste great argument to divide us uh, for the, you know, different sides to raise money off of. Um, it, and those, you know, it's a political thing, you know, and sure. I just tell people it's look we can find common ground as as human beings on the planet should we be using the earth as our own personal trash can i think everyone can agree that we probably should probably not right and that's the thing we could all come together and decide that now do we got to get crazy stupid about it no (laughs) but we should i mean if technologically we can sit there and build a better car we should we don't need to have it rammed down our throat with some edict and be all scared like the polar bears are all going to drown because there's no ice with them anymore. You know, it, it's all fear. It's this whole thing we're going through with the virus thing. It's the same thing. Yes, it's, sir. it's 
if, if, if reasonable people can come together and go, there is common ground that we can come together on, and they don't want us to do that. No, they don't. They don't want us to come together. They want to keep us divided. Yes. You know, I, I, like I say, I, it's as simple as sitting down. I could sit down with the, 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 the greenest environmental advocate, and I think we could both agree we shouldn't be using the planet as our own personal trash can. Once we come to that agreement, okay, then let's just see how we can do that and what's reasonable, what isn't reasonable. And, you know, do we all have to go back to living in caves with candles or can we just decide maybe we want to build more efficient plants or more efficient houses or better cars? And and these are things we can all agree on and come to without having to have some government edict come down that we all have to have toilets that flush with a half a gallon of water and <laughs> light bulbs that don't work worth a crap. You know, those well, kind of things. You, you know, know, I'm the most positive guy in the world. I really am. And I... I prepare for the worst, and I always hope for the best, Robert. But, you know, I study geopolitics and the money system and central banking and currencies, and as I know you guys do. I, You know, it's just, it just looks to me with this whole COVID thing and, and what's going on with the globalist and Agenda 21, and I, it just appears that this thing is so swampy. I don't think these guys are going to change. I don't like saying that. I it, it just may be an argument for guys like you to teach us how to take care of ourselves. And that's what it comes down to. I'm sure you got an earful when you uh, had Ernie on. He's uh, he's a definitely a leave me aloneist, and uh, you right. know we need to be a uh, power of the individual kind of guy. Uh, we're of like mind. Um, and that's what it is. It comes down to is that, uh, I don't know what's going on with the camera there. No, is your camera um, going off and on? Well, I can see it. I, I don't think so. It, my little white light staying on, but I'm not sure why the, the picture's fluttering like that. Probably your, your internet may be blinking a little bit. I think we're good now. So go ahead. The um, so yes, uh, they they're not going to change. It's it's right. the, the the that part of human nature. It's the most uh, uh, evil or <laughs> uh, you know uh, freaking psychopathic people gravitate to those positions. And it's you know the the Karens of the world. They want to you know they them those won't leave you alone. And, and there are two types of people: those who want to be left alone, and those who won't leave them alone. They think they can live your life better than then you know how to. And yes, and so the only way, I think, to disengage from these people as much as possible is to take care of yourself. You, you have to go down that road. And the more they try to, it's part of this Agenda 21, they want to urbanize people. They don't want, they want to drive people out of the rural areas and then basically buy up the land or make it so that you can't go there anymore, you know, and, um, and you're easily far more easily controlled when you're not out on the open range and you're in a nice pen. And that's kind of what the cities are going to be for them. The smart you know, cities, gonna, right? They're, they're, and they're smart too, Robert. They're smart. You know, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what they, what their, their premises, I, right. I believe to get us all in the cities. And, and so, um, trying to be, you know, self-sufficient as much as you can. I mean, I, you know, I still have to go to the grocery store. I garden and grow food, and but I still have to go to the grocery store and, and buy. But um, uh, I could, if I didn't have, if I wasn't there, I, I probably could get by without having to. Um, life would be different, yeah. but um, I, but I certainly wouldn't have to, uh, you know, succumb to the brand and uh, you know be, be be treated like livestock you yeah. know at least not voluntarily and then we got this great reset going on we know this is going to be about the vaccine passports and the fed coin and so this is going to be a challenge for us to even who knows how far this is going to go right and oh i think it's going to get stupid yeah, i think it's going to get, gonna get stupid. stupid yeah yeah, it's uh, they they've shown their hand. This is their play. If they can't pull this off, I don't think. And and um, you know, having talked to some of the, the the folks I communicate with, 
um, you know, I'm not putting a whole lot of hopes in the political, uh, you know, the, the big 2020, you know, the, the, the less great taste filling guys are going to take over from the other side of the argument. But I don't um, think it's gonna uh, it, there's such a backlash. I, I think that the uh, it, I saw it phrased. I can't remember where I saw it phrased, but right now, um, I believe the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution is the only thing standing between global tyranny and freedom uh you yes, know sir. i mean the rest of the world is pretty much succumbed and the people are all looking to the u.s to go like you know what are you guys doing about it and and, and you know you pay, if you pay attention to what's going over in australia and other places of the world right now it would be going on here if it wasn't for the fact that um they believe we would go no yeah and we have the power to say no yeah. and that was exactly what the founders wanted us to have and i believe they're they're trying to figure out a way around that. And then I think they got about six months to get it done. I think we're going to in for a few months starting this winter. You're starting to see the the, the, the dialogue ramping up about, uh, you know, oh, scary, scary, scary. It's going to be really bad. Mm. We got to scary, scary, scary you some more. And because they don't really know how to get us to, you know, go into the corral. We, we don't want to go in. And, um, and, and, and they need it. I don't know what's going to, I mean, if this whole thing doesn't work for the, the globalists, they can't get this reset globally um, in the United States. Cause if they can't get the United States to go, it's just a matter of time for the rest of the world. will will call shenanigans on it. Um, you know, what do you think the people in Australia are going to do if they ever get a hold of their elected officials electorally? Again? Boy. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, you know, I mean, they, you know, so so they've shown their hand. This has got to happen or there's going to be people going to the gallows. You know, I mean, I'm not an advocate of, you know, violence, but um, I certainly am of a Nuremberg 2.0. These people need to be brought to account. They needs to be a, you know, a proper trial, a proper tribunal, discovery, evidence. And if these people are found guilty against crimes against humanity, it needs to be dealt with. And, and uh, you know, we saw how that was dealt with after World War II. I believe it needs to happen again. These people who are out there causing this needs to be brought to justice. When this is all said and done, if we still have a free free nation, people need to be called to atone. And and, um, and, and they need to be known they're going to be called to atone so they can start to really start thinking about what they're doing yeah. right now. Because so, I, I think it's going to be ugly over the next six months. Yes, sir. I, 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 I think so, too. I Like I say, I like to prepare, hope for the best, but I'm pretty a pragmatist, too. But Bob, how are you planning personally before we go to deal with uh, engaging some kind of commerce to buy this or that and trade if this whole FedCoin thing and the vaccine passport? I mean, uh, what are you what are you going to do? Are you going to do cryptos or dimes or quarters? Um, or silver? You know, um, uh, you know, I, 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 all of the above. I play with metals. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I. I'm a big advocate of the cryptocurrencies, but I'm not a big, you know, I have, I have some, but I'm not a, cause I also believe that um, it's not nearly when it was first sold to the people that it was going to be, you know, anonymous and private. And it, it's not, you know, a very, the very fact that it's a forever ledger, which is one of its, you know, benefits is also one of its pitfalls. If you're into privacy, it's a forever ledger. They could go back and they can see the very first Bitcoin transaction and everyone that's happened since then, and they can track every single one of them to where it's gone. And, and, or if it's, you know, fallen off the, the blockchain, it's still there, you know, it's just in some dead wallet somewhere. And, and so they can, you know, they can trace it. And, and if people are naive enough to think that they can't, you know, they haven't been paying attention to the news. And as you know, with title 26, albeit being uh, not, not constitutional, they've got it set up. So you should, supposed to pay taxes on anything that you sell at a profit. I don't think it's right, but they do. 
And these people Absolutely. could all, the IRS could be knocking on people's doors. I mean, if you don't... And they are, don't, they are going to. They're going to. Um, they're going to, if they, they don't pay taxes, to. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I certainly do not advocate that no, you shouldn't. No, no. Uh, don't, 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 uh, don't try that but, at home. But, yeah. But but, under, but understand that they are, um, they, they, they want to, uh, right down to the every red cent, which is, you know, I mean, they're even talking, you know, this whole build back better bill thing that they're trying to do with, uh, you know, funding another, you know, 10,000 government agents or whatever it is to, uh, you know, send forth to eat out our substance. I think it's um, 80,000 uh, IRS people, 80,000. Yeah, something I've, like that. I, I mean, that's I crazy. That it. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. If I was a younger man, I'd be, you know, totally nutted up about it. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> at the age I'm at right now, I'm just kind of, yeah, bring it. You know? <laughs> what, is it what are you going to do? You know, I'm, I'm, past the, I'm past the point of, there's not a whole lot of deterrent for me anymore. You know, so, I mean, um, you know, it's like, um, have at me, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make it worth your while, trust me. Just come heavy, yeah. It's, it's like, what are you going to, yeah, I know, it's just just nuts. Hey, do you know anything about, I, I uh, about these dime cards that that Ernie talked about, do you know what those are? Yeah, well, you know, I, yeah, I, you know, hang on for a second. I don't think I got. Yeah, one. I'd like I, to see one. I, yeah, I really would. I can't, I, it's I a great idea. Just all the time. So, if I understand I it, why you're looking for it, it's an idea that if you have a pre sixty five dime quarter or dimes, which are mostly silver, that you have these cards, and then depending on whatever the price of silver is at the time, you can actually. So, but it's in a case. How does that work? Well, he's just laminated. They, they, you print it out in paper, and then you rent it through a laminate. That's the dime right there. It's right. a pre-64 dime. And you can make them whatever you want. It's got a little logo. I think that's, you know, it's got something to do with, uh, you know, Mr. Hancock's uh, website. Let me get back right. here centered. Okay. And, um, it, you know, and, and obviously the uh, value, I think the QR code goes to a silver calculator if you want to do that so. Isn't clever? And so you can sit there, and of course... You know, uh, it, it's a dime face value, but it's probably, I don't know, probably worth like a buck and a quarter or whatever the going rate for, you know, junk silver is right now. Isn't and, that- and so if you wanted to go in trade or do business with right. this, with other people who are familiar with silver, um, there you go. I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's like carrying around a dollar twenty in your wallet. Isn't and, that and clever? In, yeah. Did Ernie and, come and, up and with that? With any, Ernie come up, what's that? Did Ernie come up with that? I believe so, and you can do it with any denominator. The dimes are just convenient because they're nice and thin. But you know, I mean, you could do it with you know silver quarters or silver half dollars, and uh, this pre sixty four silver. You could even go out and get modern day silver rounds. I mean, you can get one ounce, ten ounce, quarter ounce rounds, and and you know that's that's why uh, you know metals is have always been money. Yeah, you, know, you go back in in perpetuity, and you know. Gold and silver is, you know, shiny stuff has always been been of value, oh. and um, it, which is why I tend to, you know, it, if we go down some dark path to some apocalyptic Mad, Mad Max thing, nature, yeah. <laughs> um, bar, barter for you know food and and that is is probably going to be you know viable way of of uh, sustaining yourself. You looked after the uh, fall of the the Soviet Union. Um, they went through a, a significant portion of where where barter was the trade. Um, so metals is probably far more uh, conducive to day-to-day commerce than it is, uh, you know, the, the cryptocurrencies, I think, are proven themselves to be more of a hedge of inflation. Um, you're still finding that unless you know uh, you're involved in a smaller community that wants to um, 
deal in cryptocurrencies, you know, it's kind of a little harder to actually turn them into goods and services. Yeah, so sure. um, without having to go through the exchanges and turning it into, uh, you know, firms. Uh, and, and once you do that, then you're, you know, you might as well, uh, you know, you got to fill out your 1099 or whatever the form it is that you got to send into the, the guy for his cut. And and, and and if that's what you want to do, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are doing that. I mean, they made their money in crypto and they just give the government their, you know, half and, uh, <laughs> and, and gladly take their other half and go out and do business with it. Yeah. And I, I'm, more power to them. Those cards, show it again. They're, they're very clever because the, the beauty of those things, as you know, and I'm just beginning to understand with the QR code, it's actually tied into a system that is tied in with the spot price of silver. So in theory, yes. you got this dime or quarter and you, you run it through a QR code, which everybody has, even people now at the farmer's markets, and it'll tell you exactly what that thing is worth in dollars. Absolutely. That is so yeah. cool. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, I've had this for years and, you know, I mean, it's, you make them with a home laminator. I mean, you can blow it down to, you know, whatever your local, uh, what is it, you know, paper max or whatever it is store for that sell stationary and whatever, and buy yourself a laminator and you can get yourself a bag of junk silver and, and start making them and you can put whatever little logo. I mean, if you got a business, even businesses, I mean, huh. you could sit there, if you got a business, you'd make it your logo and, and, you put your QR code on there also, and you can advertise your websites or whatever business you got. Kind of fun, huh? Yeah. It, you know, if you're a local towns, you know, they have um, regional currencies. And uh, they, we, we were talking about uh, Berkshires, right, out here in New England, the Berkshire Mountains. Well, they actually have the local towns to promote tourism. You can go in there and you can buy like, uh, you know, $120 worth of Berkshires for $100. And then they're recognized at the local shop and the local uh, trinket shop and whatever as commerce to try to keep the money locally and do that. Well, it's the same kind of thing. If you had a farmer's market that was doing that and and a lot of the local farmers and that all decided they they could make their own. It could be, you know, whatever, you know, the Tonopah farmer's market card Mm -hmm. kind of thing. uh, Where do you get the QR code? Uh, you generate them. You, you know, if you have a website, you can make uh, you know you can make a QR code. I mean, there's websites you go in there, you type in your URL, and it'll it'll spit you out a QR code. See, I'm such a little I, I wouldn't know. So, but then there would be a website that you would tie in with the QR code to calculate the silver. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a there's different apps all over. I mean, you know, like say you can go to different websites. I, you know, Kitco is the big one of the big ones I go sure. to. That's you know, basically it's a the big spot exchange. Price. Yeah. You can look up at the spot. You can look at the spot price of silver up minute by minute on on Kitco and and see exactly what they're worth and and um there's junk silver sites that do the uh conversion i know for a while there uh, freedoms phoenix had a um had an app on the phone you could get a phone app that did all junk silver conversions i don't know if it's still uh active or not but i mean so in other words if you had a dime you could say if you had a dime you could actually say well look this dime is worth whatever Absolutely. Yeah. And once people start to get a get an idea know, on some of the, you know, it, but it, it's interesting how few people realize it. I mean, I don't know if you've seen one of the big talking heads on one of the big networks. He goes out there on the sidewalk. He had a he had a hundred ounce bar of silver. Right. And in in a in a, a box of chocolate bars. And he was asking <laughs> people which one would they rather have. And and half the people were just scared, like, oh, he's trying to scam me. And he's sitting in front of a pawn shop. And he's even telling, well, you could go take this into the pawn shop and get money for it, the silver bar. And and to be surprised how people go, oh, I'll just take the chocolate. You know, eh, I'll just take the chocolate. You know, the, I you know, I'm sure there were people who wanted the silver bar. He didn't show it because that's not what he was trying to, you know, he was trying to show. But there's a lot of people out there they have no they have no clue what you know the value of silver and gold is to them it's 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 too abstract they they don't understand that 
you know, for millennia, shiny objects have been traded in value and, yeah. and, and probably will be in the future. So, you know, I, I think dollars and fiat currencies will come and go and you'll still be people that'll trade for gold and silver. So I'm, I, I, I tend to, yeah. I tend to gravitate more towards that to be my, uh, my, my post-apocalyptic currency more than cryptocurrency. I think so too, because you, you know, you just don't know who's in on the crypto and what they can do or try to make it illegal or I don't know. You know, say you're a terrorist if you use it. I mean, you just don't know what these people are going to do. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's I say it's more of a more of a, a inflation hedge, I think, more than it is a day to day commerce thing. But um, you know, and there's so many of them. Um, some are better than others. You know, everybody talks about Bitcoin, but there's Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum and sure. and Dogecoin and and you know, I mean, there's and there's some coins are more for privacy and some are not and transaction fee and it's just you know, it's 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 more than I want to do with. I just like playing with my shiny stuff. And, yeah, it's kind and, of fun. Good. We have somebody we work with that we have some, he has some of this uh, the currency silver available. Well, Robert, you're really fun to talk to. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed it. I think our listeners uh, got a sense of um, some solar stuff and some freedom stuff and some money stuff. So we did good. Excellent. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bob Anderson, take care of yourself now. Stay under the radar. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Patrick Tempone, One Radio network.com well that was fun huh yeah man all right are we uh, done we're good yeah we're done and i'm live now so i'm just gonna move on and thank you bob thank you so much okay i appreciate it and uh like say want to talk again sometime just let me know i will thank you sir bye bye um why doesn't that work oh okay we did it. okay well he was fun huh let me see if I can leave this meeting. Oh, I think I did. Quit Zoom. Okay, quit Zoom. Well, okie smokey dokey. This is uh, Patrick Timpone, and it's a uh, Tuesday. Boy, we were with him for a long time, an hour and a half. He was fun, huh? Hope you learned something. I did. Solar and uh, whatever. I will um, take a break here. We will see you tomorrow. Wednesday on the 15th of uh, December. We're going to be joined by our constitutional guy, Richard Proctor, and see if he can explain to us how the uh, Supreme Court came up with a, um, didn't block the vaccine mandates out of New York City, or New York, for these healthcare workers, and talk more about mandates and getting out of them and how far off or on these guys are with the constitutional constitution, and then Brandon uh, Smith uh, with altmarkets.com and he's done quite a bit of critical thinking about collectivism, socialism and why these young people are so caught up in it and uh, you know the the reasons behind uh, their enamoredness with um, socialism. Um, so just a little plug here. If you found it interesting and potentially uh, something that you'd want to do with get some silver, dimes, quarters, halves, and silver dollars, real silver. You know, if you had a quarter, silver quarter today, silver quarter today, back when I was a, a kid, it, gas was about 25 cents a gallon. Yep. I think it was when I was in... Uh, 
oh, grade school, um, maybe beginning of high school, 25 cents a gallon, and that was a silver quarter. Today, today you could take that same silver quarter and buy more than a gallon's worth of gas today, even with gas prices the way they are. What does that tell you about silver? Yeah, that's right. That's true. In 1850 or so, you could take an ounce of gold and buy a really, really good men's suit. In 1850, back before the Civil War, an ounce of gold. Today, you could take an ounce of gold and you could get a really good man's suit, men's suit for a couple thousand dollars, right? A really good one. So this is why gold and silver have been around since the beginning of time as a store in value. No matter what the dollar does, no matter what politicians do, no matter what cryptos do, no matter what anybody does, gold and silver will be a hedge for you against inflationary pressures which are going on. Uh, I've known Fred Dashevsky, who runs U.S. Coin Capital for 25 years, the former partner of Andrew Goss when he was here on the earth plane, and Fred will work with you, and he'll uh, help you to get into, whether it be currency silver, or some maybe some uh, more expensive numismatic coins like St. Gaudens, where there's an ounce of gold and some real numismatic value. He's a very good man. He has a little small team there up there with Donna, Roger, and some other people. And it's U.S. Coin Capital. The number is 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. So, you know, I know there's probably people late night TV, which you don't, you don't watch that, uh, uh, that are selling you gold and silver and at the mint and all this. But just trust me when I tell you, talk to these people, tell them what you want to do, tell them we sent you, tell them your interest in it, that you don't know anything about it, but how can you get involved, uh, what your income is and what your mo- uh, motives are, what you like to do five years from now, and they'll walk you through it, whether it be the numismatic coins or the uh, currency silver dimes, uh, quarters, halves, and silver dollars like we talked about with Bob Anderson. This is the surest thing. There's no sure things, but the surest thing in the world is that gold and silver, are, you know, I don't do investment advice, are not going to go uh, much lower than they are today. They're just not going to. Not the way uh, the central banks and the, and the government is borrowing money from them who are creating more dollars in the inflation. It's just not going to happen. And these people are not going to wake up and get religion tomorrow morning. The Treasury, the President, the Central Banks, none of them. You know that. They're just not going to get real. They're just going to continue to borrow more dollars that the Federal Reserve Bank private creates and uh, deliquifies or dilutes the value of your dollar, which is called inflation. So you may have $100,000 in the bank. But if you just leave it there for the next five years, you're going to buy about, you know, I don't know, 50% less than what you can buy today. That's true. I'm not making this up. Inflation is about 10% a year. 
So don't leave it in dollars. You may look at your bank statement and say, well, I got 100 grand, man. Call these people and get into something that is not going to lose value. You can always sell them. There's always going to be buyers for gold and silver. There just are. Their number is 800-878-2646. U.S. Coin Capital. U.S. Coin Capital. 800-878-2646. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow with our guest. Thank you for your ongoing support. Remember, I'm here to help you in any way that I can. And we do appreciate that you go to our website and you look at the products and services that we sell, like Fred or you know, the sauna and the hydrogen and Shen Blossom and, and uh, Sir Thrival and uh, all the different people. They're really good products. So thank you for supporting this. And that's how you do is to uh, trade your Federal Reserve notes <laughs> that are losing value as you speak uh, for these goods and services that we promote, that we use ourselves and we know the people. So thank you for that. I love you all very much. I will see you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, with Richard Proctor. And we'll talk about this thing called the Constitution that people seem to be ignoring these days, but we'll talk about it. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.